0: Now, let me invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. Now, we're getting ready to land the plane here in 1 Peter. And uh, originally, I I had talked about, I think I even shared with you that uh, the thought was Genesis next. Now, we're going to get into Genesis, but I I really felt led to jump into 2 Peter next. So right after 1 Peter's done, we're gonna jump into 2 Peter, and then, Lord willing, after that, the plan would be Genesis. So I uh, just wanna make you aware of that. But if you've been with us a while, as we've made our way through 1 Peter, then you know one of the main themes in the book is suffering. Aren't you glad you came to church the last several weeks to learn about suffering? Uh, certainly, this is, this is good for us to embrace. Uh, Jesus himself did not bypass this. He, Jesus was not a king who reigned from afar in easy places. He came and entered our space and suffered for our sins so that we may be made right with him. And last week, one of the things that we talked about is as we embrace suffering, that actually helps us to fight sin. As, you know, we, we must understand as believers that living in today's world means you will suffer. Jesus promised that. In this world, you will have trouble. And as we embrace that, as we're willing to accept that, then sin begins to lose its power over us because we're not afraid to suffer for standing up for him. We're not afraid to suffer for doing what is right. In light of understanding that suffering is part of following the Lord, that should lead us ultimately to love one another well. Here's why. Suffering is not easy. We're not always going to suffer with smiles on our faces when we encounter unjust suffering. Therefore, we need one another in this fight in order that we don't lose heart and we don't give up. This morning, we're going to talk about the the call for us to serve one another. You know, there there are few things more grieving than when Christians fight with one another. I mean, think about this. As believers, we were deserving of eternal suffering in the lake of fire. God's wrath should have been poured out on us, yet God did not spare his own son, but gave him as a ransom to pay for the sins of every person who would ever believe. Brothers and sisters, what an amazing gift that we have been given The gospel of Jesus should be our rallying point and be what unifies us. We are a redeemed people. Therefore, let us live redeemed lives by loving one another. Here's the title of the sermon this morning. In light of the times, serve one another. In light of the times, serve one another. So let's look at God's word together now follow with me as i start reading in verse 7 of 1 Peter 4 The end of all things is at hand therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers above all keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins show hospitality to one another without grumbling as each has received a gift use it to serve one another as good steward of God's very grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank You for the reminder in singing this morning that in Christ alone, our hope is found. And Lord, when we have Jesus, we have everything that we need for life and godliness. We have everything we need. And so Lord, remind us of that this morning when we are tempted to despair, when we're tempted to find joy and satisfaction in the things of this world. God, would you sober us this morning with the reality that the end is near we we don't know the time but we know that you could return at any moment and so let that bring us sobriety to our lives and lead us to love one another and serve one another well god we need our eyes turned off of ourselves and turned first and foremost to you but then also in light of that We need our eyes turned to one another, and so God, would you give us grace this morning? Would you give us mercy? Would you bring conviction where it's needed? Lord, open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your word, and it's in the glorious name of Jesus we pray, amen. Now this text starts off with a a very interesting phrase and one that we see fairly often in the New Testament, the end of all things is at hand now what is the end that peter is referring to the bible also uses terms like the lord or the day is at hand the day just that phrase with a capital d so here, here's a couple references just to get us in the mindset of understanding what peter means by the end is at hand romans 13 11, and 12 says besides this you know the time That the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed this salvation. There's this aspect of we have been saved. Jesus paid the price on the cross. And so if you've repented of your sin and placed your faith in Christ, you have salvation. But there's also a sense where... We're in the process of being saved. And there's also this understanding of salvation that that we will be saved once and for all from sin. And so this is what, what Paul is talking about. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Philippians 4, 5 says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, and this really, Uh, parallels well with our passage today. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. James 5, 7 and 8. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. A couple more for you. Revelation 1:3. Blessed is the one that reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Revelation 22:10. And he said to me, Do not steal up the words of the prophecy of this book. For the time is near. Now, if if we had more time, I I would break out understanding that there are basically two ages. There's the current age, which began from creation and made its way through Christ living on this earth, living a perfect life that we could not live, dying the death that we deserved, and then rising from the grave. The new age is will be when Christ returns again and he makes all things new. We're in the first age. We are waiting for the next age to come. The day is at hand. The Lord is at hand. The reason why we are at the end of all things is because the promised Messiah has come. There's no more left for Jesus to do except to return once again and reign in glory. Therefore, we live in this already but not yet space. We have been saved, but we are awaiting for that final salvation where sin will be done away with once and for all. Now, one may ask, Peter, this, he lived 2,000 years ago, and he's saying the end is at hand? Now, I don't know about you, but my, I have a different understanding of near than what it seems to be here. 2,000 years is not near. That's a long time. Well, the reason why Peter said that and why we can say that at this moment is because Jesus could come back at any point. In fact, nobody knows the time. Peter didn't know. Jesus, God didn't deliver the message to Peter to say, here's when God's going to return. We read this in Matthew 24, 36, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only so Peter wasn't lying. There's no deception here. He knew that he was to live as though Jesus could return any day. And brothers and sisters of Christ, this is exactly how we should live. If that's the case, we should ask ourselves, how would our life be different next week than it was last week in light of living with the understanding that Jesus could return. Should it be different? With the understanding that Jesus could return even before this sermon is over should lead us to a place of serious sobriety. And and here is what Peter is communicating He's wanting us to know, know. believer, he could come any day. He could come at any moment. So what should we do in light of this news? What should we do in light of the fact that the end is near? Jesus could return at any moment. Here's the first thing that we see in this passage. In light of the times, guard your mind. In light of the times, guard your mind mind verse 7 says the end of all things is at hand therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers because the end is at hand we should be self-controlled and sober-minded to be self-controlled means to be alert it means to be serious it means to be earnest don't live life flippantly don't give in to sinful passions. Sober minded means very similar to be watchful. John Piper says, Have full use of your mind. This brings up a question for us to consider. How much time do we spend each day wasting our minds on things that don't matter? Some interesting statistics that are humbling. Convicting, the average person spends nearly two and a half hours a day on social media. How do you think that is for a good use of time? The average person also spends four to five hours a day watching TV. In total, the average person spends about seven hours a day looking at a screen. Now, as I've gotten older, I've become increasingly concerned for our society in light of screen usage, myself included. For instance, I encourage you, if you're not driving, if you're a passenger in the car, just pay attention to how many people you see looking at their phones while they're driving. Even in roundabouts, I see people spinning, turning in the roundabout with their phone up, staring at it. So many accidents are taking place, in fact, uh, recently, we changed our insurance, and in the in the in the transition period, we have a chance to get a a discount by downloading their app and keeping track of our driving. So it can tell how many times you touch your phone, and it counts it as being distracted. It knows how fast you're going, it knows how quickly you brake, and you get ding for these things. And it's 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 really helped me to understand how often we just. We're so keen often to just picking up our phone and having it in our hands. I've been increasingly discouraged as I go to restaurants or even grocery stores, and I see how many kids and families, everybody's got a screen. And often they have headphones over. They are not even hide them. They're not even like the ones in the ear. They're the ones that cover your ears, like noise-canceling headphones. The kids with the parents right there looking at their own phones. Do you know what screen time, like excessive screen time, does to us? It leads us to more depression and more anxiety. Have you kind of realized that our culture has somewhat of a a serious issue with mental health issues? We should not be surprised by these statistics of spending seven hours a day looking at a screen and then looking at the struggle of mental health in our society. What Peter is calling for us to do is pay attention. Get full use of your mind. Be sober-minded. Do you realize sober means you're paying attention? You're, you're geared in. You're locked into what's going on around you. This is what Peter's doing. Hey, be locked in. Jesus, can come at any moment. Don't lose track of this. So let me ask you, are there areas in your life that are causing you to lose control are there things leading you away from having a sober mind are you distracted believer the end is at hand Jesus could return today and and listen Peter already gave us a warning in verse 5 says this but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead listen every one of us here every person (coughs) in creation We'll face judgment soon. Ephesians 5, 15, and 16 gives us this warning. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of time. Why? Because the days are evil. Watch your life, brothers and sisters. And, and Peter says, do so for the sake of your prayers. Listen, when, when, you are, when you have a clear mind, when you are sober-minded, it will lead you to pray more. When you understand that the end is near, it will have a difference in your prayer life. And what you'll find yourself doing is, is not wasting your time on si- silly, trivial prayer requests that don't really matter a thousand years from now. <coughs> when we are in touch with the reality that Jesus could come back we pray that we would remain strong. We lift up one another because we know how easily we can get distracted, how easily we can go astray. And so we lift up one another. All of a sudden we find our unsaved neighbors, unsaved family, friends, coworkers, classmates filled up with, in our prayer lives because we want them to taste and see that the Lord is good. We don't want them to face the wrath of God. And we know that tomorrow could be the day. Listen, when we live soberly in light of that, it changes the way that we pray. It is a heavy thing to live as though we are on the brink of eternity. Yet so often we lose sight of it. So, one challenge for us this week is to live soberly. In light of how close we are to eternity, Jesus could come any day. To that I say, come Lord Jesus. In light of the times, guard your mind. Look at verse eight. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude Of sins. Here's the next thing. In light of the times, love one another earnestly. In light of the times, love one another earnestly. Hopefully, this morning you uh, you are being alerted to the reality that the end is nearer than it ever has been. Jesus could come today. So, in light of that, let's earnestly love one another. That word earnestly, it means without ceasing, constant, unfailing. And isn't that really the only true kind of love? Now, one of your assignments this week at the end, uh, an action step for you to consider, is to spend time reading 1 Corinthians 13. We're not going to do that today, but just to remind you what love is. Love is patient, love is kind, it keeps no record of wrong, it never fails. We are to love one another deeply. This isn't a, this isn't an I'll love you as long as you benefit me kind of love. This is self-sacrificing. This is a committed love. I mean, just imagine how silly we get. Imagine tonight uh, our group meets small group. Imagine you're in a small group and uh, you start arguing about something that, that's super important, like the color of the walls that we want to paint. I'm, we're not painting, but let's just say we decided to paint the walls in You start getting in an argument because you want, I would really love a light gray. No, I like the way it is. Let's just keep it the way it is and just paint it the same color. Listen, there are churches that have split over silly things like this. So imagine in the heat of the battle, you're going at it. You are arguing, and then Jesus returns. Just just let that sink in of how foolish you would feel if that were the case. Now I want you to think: How many foolish conversations have you had? How many things, have, silly things, have you allowed to come between you and somebody else? Listen, when we live in the light of the reality that Jesus come any point, all of a sudden we stop caring so much about what the color paint we put in, or what color carpet we have, or whatever it may be. These silly things that we fight over. We need to love one another, and it's hard. It's messy. We have different opinions. We all have grown up certain ways and we believe certain things. How many of you got married expecting your, your spouse to do something that your, you know, for men? How many of you expected your wife to do something that your mom always did? And the same thing, like how many wives expected their husband to do something that their father always did? And we can, we can get so mad at each other and we need to realize that we need to love each other, each other earnestly. Notice the last part of verse 8 says, love covers a multitude of sins. Now we got to be careful here. Peter is not saying, hey, hey, love others in such a way where you make their sin no big deal, as if we just wash over it. So Peter is not talking about some of these crazy, horrible sins that need to be dealt with. But when we earnestly love one another I think we can all be honest that there are times where we just hold sins against one another that really we should just be able to look past we should just really be able to withhold and choose to forgive and move on and this is what Peter's saying look there's so many opportunities for you to to hold bitterness but remember what Jesus did for you We read about this in Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3 that Paul calls us to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. There are so many things that I know when Nikki chooses to forgive me over little things, what she's saying is like, look, I'm not going to bring that up against you again. I'm not going to use that against you. I'm going to move past. What has she done? She's covered those sins. She's not allowing them to become an issue. This is the way that we are to love one another. We lean in when we're sinned against. We confront when it's necessary, but then we are quick to forgive. Do you remember when the disciples came to Jesus, and they thought they were all big and mighty, and they said, hey, Jesus, how many times should we forgive? Perhaps seven? Like, you can see the boastfulness. Like, hey, Jesus, I'm willing to forgive seven times. And what does Jesus do? He blows them out of the water. Now, it's not a mathematical equation, but he says, don't forgive seven times. Forgive 70 times seven That's not 490 times he's saying, stop keeping track. Listen, if somebody asks forgiveness, you forgive, cover over their sin. This is exactly what Jesus did for us on the cross. Brothers and sisters, if you've truly repented of your sin and placed your faith in Christ, God looks at you as if you've never sinned because the righteousness of Jesus has been given to you. He has covered over your sin. So love one another earnestly and treat each other as Christ has treated you. Forgive. Believer, is that the kind of heart that you have towards one another? Listen, the days are evil. Jesus could come, come, return any time. Don't spend your time holding stuff against others. Love one another earnestly. Here's the next point. keep skipping on me. In light of the times, show hospitality. In light of the times, show hospitality. Look at verse 9. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now, hospitality means loving strangers, showing care to them. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean people who you don't know it could mean that, but it's, it's not strictly to strangers as, as much as it means caring for others who don't live in your home, caring, caring for non-family members. And I would say this, this is more of a state of mind than it is a location. Hospitality is about providing a meal for someone who is hungry, providing a place to stay when someone needs to rest. It's, it's making someone feel like they belong in a place that is new to them. Some of you are incredibly hospitable here at church, and I see the way that you reach out to new people and welcome them in. That is a massive thing that we are called to do. Hospitality is about welcoming others into our lives as Christ has welcomed us. Now, it it is true that certain people are better at this than others, but I want to point out that Peter, after this, mentions using your gifts to serve. So he's talking about your gifts after this. So he, Peter, we don't have an excuse to say, well, I don't have the gift of hospitable, hospitality, so I'm not going to be hospitable. That's, that's not the case here. Peter is giving this command before he gives it. Starts going into gifts. This is something that we all call to do. Now, some of us have a gift of hospitality. There's a unique way to doing it, but we don't get an excuse in a past to say, I don't have to be welcoming to people because that's not my spiritual gift. Be hospitable. This is a call for all believers. This is something that our family has been in. Blast by in a huge way over the last couple weeks. Those of you who may not know, on on January third, we had a sewer failure in our basement, which uh, is always fun if you've had that happen to you. And uh, through that process, we've had someone come out four different times, only to finally have somebody put a, a camera down to see that it's a collapsed pipe. And so in that process, we've been displaced three times, and. Different believers have opened up their homes to us. We had a, the house that we're staying in right now, because it's still not resolved, is the home of parents of their daughter who attends this with her family. Uh, They're in Florida for the winter, and they've opened up their house. We've never even met them, and they've graciously opened up their their house to us to stay in. There's six of us. I'm like, do you know there's six of us? Can we bring our dog? Because I don't know what to do with her. I'm like, yeah, she's welcome. Never even met them. Uh, so we, in light of living out of our house, I still like to go check our, our house to make sure everything is good, just to see if there's any progress made. And I went last night, we've, I don't know if you've known, we have had a little bit of snow, and somebody, I found out from our church, graciously plowed our drive for us. We've had people provide a meal. Like, this is, this is what it means to be hospitable. And I found myself talking to somebody this week, like, how do people do it? In life, when they go through tr- tr- struggles like we're going through, but yet they have no community like we have here to help care. Church, you've been, the, you've been the hands and feet of Christ to us. This is how we are called to live together. And listen, the way in which we do this, our attitude in it all matters. Peter says, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. We can't serve others and then complain about it the whole time. That's not loving others earnestly. I was reminded of a movie this week. Now, uh, I am not recommending this. It has been years since I've seen it, but it just sparked a memory. Uh, Dustin Hoffman, if you guys know him, he was in a movie called Hero. And the gist of the movie was he was kind of a a small-time crook, and he Happened upon a plane accident, and he begins to to rescue the people from this plane that are that are inside. And the whole time he's complaining, like he's just grumbling about it all. And uh, somebody ends up taking all the credit for it. He's just got this terrible attitude throughout it all. And it just it just that's what came to mind. Like this is this that's not hospitality. Even when we tell our kids, like what does obedience look like? It means doing what you're told to do when you're told to do it with the right heart attitude. God's not glorified when we are hospita- hospitable, but we're complaining about it the whole time. Peter is calling for us to do it without grumbling. We aren't honoring the Lord by begrudgingly being hospitable because we have to, in light of the times, be hospitable to one another. Look at verse 10, and here's our last point here. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as God's steward, as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Here's the last point. In light of the times, use your gifts. There are a handful of things I want to point out when it comes to gifts. First of all, we see here that every believer has been gifted. Every believer has been given a gift. Notice verse 10. Again, it says, as each has received a gift. Not if. As you have received a gift You've all been given a gift if you were a believer, something in order to serve the body. Now, here's something that I'm pondering and I believe. Uh, Nowhere in Scripture do we see that gifts are permanent. So I think from time to time, we, we might have a season, perhaps, a gift for you is a gift of affliction, where God has encouraged you deeply, and now because of that affliction, you are able to be a gift to others who are suffering in a similar way. Perhaps some of you are multitaskers and you are able to just get a lot of things done. And, and, it, and for some of, some of us, we're like, I don't know how you do it all. But you have a gift to be able to do that. One thing I, I love about Nick is that he is just a big time servant. He's got a big heart. He, he's using his singleness to serve because right now he has more time to do that. Now, the Lord may bring marriage to him, but for now, he's using that to serve. He's using it to maximize gospel opportunities Some of you have been gifted with resources. You've been able to make a lot of money or you've inherited a lot of money. Use that to serve others. You may not have that wealth tomorrow. But for day, for today, in your abundance, use it to serve. Here's another thing about gifts that we see in this passage. You are to be a steward. You are to be a good steward. Because you've been given this gift, it's not something that we go hide. It's not something that we just are self-serving with. We are to use it to serve the body. We are to use it to be a blessing to his people and to those around us. We need to use that gift well. As is said in verse 11, use your gift so that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Listen, this gift has nothing to do with you. You didn't receive it because you're amazing. And if anyone comes to you and wants to lift you up for your gifting, you reflect everything back to him, right? What we try to close most of our services with. You are the light of the world. The city on the hill cannot be hidden, so let your light shine. Why? So others may see your good works and give glory to who? Your Father, because he is the one who gave you those good works and laid it out in advance that you may walk in them. And so if you've got a lot of money, guess what? You aren't special. We've been blessed by, there's a a close family that doesn't come here that God has just blessed us with, with much wealth. And one thing I appreciate deeply about them is they don't think anything highly of themselves. They're like, you know what? We're just trying to be stewards. And they're trying to lift up my gifting. And it's like, None of us are special because of the gifting that we've been given, whether it be resources, whether it be hospitality, whether it be the willingness to serve in some kind of way, whether it be a counselor and we're able to encourage people with our words. Whatever way God chooses to gift us has nothing to do with you, brothers and sisters, has everything to do with you using your gifts to glorify God. James 1.17 says this, every good gift and every perfect gift is from where? Above, this is why it's called a gift, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In your gift, there is no room for boasting. And the beauty of the body of Christ is that we are gifted uniquely in different ways. Nick has different gifts than I do. You might have a different gift than, than I do. Not everybody up here, not everybody here is called to come up here and speak. We, we see here, some have been given, if you've been given the gift of speaking. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. There's some of you who have that gift of speaking. It, speaking can look different ways. I, I think of words. I think, I, think, I think it's a gift when someone's able to sing. Clearly, music is biblical. God has given you a gift to use to serve the body. Perhaps God has made you a good teacher where you're able to communicate God's word in a way that leads to life change in the lives of others. Perhaps God has made you a unique counselor where you're just able to take God's word and apply it to someone's life who's in a deep struggle. I'm grateful for writers who have written books to encourage us and when we do so we're to be a good steward because when we speak we should be as one speaking oracles of God this means we don't use our words flippantly be wise in what you say reflect Jesus in your words now other of you have been gifted in such a way where it's you don't want anything to do with being up on 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 the stage You'd rather be serving, maybe doing sound, clicking through slides. You'd rather come to a party and and prepare the food and then serve the the food there. You've been been gifted in a different way where it's like, I don't want any credit. I don't want to be in in the limelight. I just want to serve in the background. Whether it be construction. We've had people bless us here by the rock. I'm so grateful we have the extra parking in the rocks over there. That was somebody from our church who said, I'm going to donate the supplies and I'm going to lay it out for us. Gifting, that's a gift that God has given that person. But listen, in your serving, serve by the strength that God supplies. And listen, this brings up an understanding. So many people in their service ask the wrong question. So often we ask, Can I do this? Let's say, Hey, we're looking for snow removal, or we're looking for whatever, or somebody asks you to consider leading a small group, and you ask the question, can I do this? And then you look at your abilities and you think in, in what you think your capacity is and you say, nope, I can't do it. That's the wrong question. Instead, I want you to ask this. Lord, do you want me to do this? Listen, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. If he's calling you to do something, he will equip you to do it. And guess what? When you are doing something that you're only doing because God called you to do it, and then there's fruit from that, who gets the glory? God. Because you realize I could not do this unless God gifted me the ability to be able to do it, and He's the one taking this and running with it and growing people. I don't know how God does it. Serve as strength, as it's strength that God supplies. Don't make it about you. And listen, when we don't make much of ourselves in that, God is glorified. So let me ask you, in your gifting, who gets the glory? Are you reflecting it all back to the one who equipped you, or are you taking the glory? So how, how do we know if we are glory hogs. Here, here's one thing. We get mad when others aren't as good as us in a certain area. You ever, you ever find things to come easy to you? And then, for instance, uh, I'm pretty decent at math. I love math, loved it in class, loved it through school, and I have certain kids that don't favor math as much as I do. <laughs> And I, and I find myself getting frustrated with them because it comes so easy to me. Listen, if, as you, if, you, if you find certain ways to serve come easy to you, this, is, this is, could be a very clear sign that this is what God has gifted you to do. But listen, be careful of pointing the finger out and saying, why aren't you doing what I'm doing? Because that's what we do sometimes. Why aren't you serving the way I serve? Why can't you just think the way I think? Listen, because maybe God's gifted me a little different than you. Here's a, here's, a, here's a way that we get tripped up. So we have, we have task-oriented people, and we have people-oriented people. Which one of those is a gift? Not a trick question. Which? Both. How many thinks it's good to get things done? It's great. But what, what, are, what are the negative side of task-oriented people? They can get stuff done, but they leave bod- dead bodies behind them in the process. Right? Some of you task-oriented people know that. You don't care. You just want stuff to get done. You don't care who's hurt in the process. I know that's, a, that's an exaggeration, but that's like the extreme of the task-oriented people. Now, the people-oriented people, they care more about people in the process. They want to make sure, hey, is everything getting along? What's the extreme for the people-oriented people? They can fear too much what man thinks of them. And then sometimes they find themselves stuck in fear and they're not getting things done that they need to get done. And so what happens to the task-oriented person when the people, like they care for people but it's become too much for them and they're not getting things done? The task-oriented people can end up running the people-oriented people over. But we need the task-oriented people to help us focus on we need to get things done. But the task-oriented people need the people-oriented people to make sure they don't run people over in the process. Does that make sense? Or you all like, I don't know what you're saying, Ben. I'm confused. We need each other. We are gifted in different ways. And listen, we are gifted in order to give God's grace to those around us. That's what it says. Use it to serve one another as good steward of God's buried grace. If you're able to serve others well, it's because God has gifted you, not because you're amazing. Humble yourself. Give the right credit to who it's due. Do it all for the glory of him. And then realize people are different than you. People aren't going to be as good at things as you are. Give grace because you know what? They're better at you than other things. And we all are to use it to serve one another. And we're all to use it for the glory of God, giving grace to those around us. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Believer, the end of all things is at hand. Jesus could return any day. So guard your minds for the sake of your prayers. Love one another earnestly and cover a multitude of sin. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And as you have received a gift, use it to serve one another. Why? Because you are steward of God's grace. You are displaying God's grace to others in your serving. And this is all that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace and for your mercies. Thank you that you have gifted us, Lord. I know for many people here, there might be confusion like, what, what, what gift? What are we talking about here? Lord, would you give wisdom to them? Would you encourage them to seek out from others? Like, what am I good at? What do Let us humble ourselves, Lord. This is a, It's a humbling thing to want to say that we're good at stuff, but yet you have gifted us and we are called to be stewards. And we're called to use it to serve one another. Lord, you could come anytime. That should sober us this morning. Father, if we are caught up in any level, surface level bickering, God, would you help us to cast it aside and love others earnestly? Be hospitable without grumbling. Lord, we need you. The days are evil. Thank you for your grace this morning. Thank you for this reminder. Help us to live with that in mind this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me leave you with the quick action steps this week. You want to advance that? It's not advancing for me. Uh, first of all, I encourage you to memorize 1 Peter 4:10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. If you don't know your gifting, ask those around you. Hey, what am I good at? What, what, what is an encouragement that I do? And then run after it. Use it to the glory of God. And when people come to you and say, thank you for that, that was amazing. All glory to God. All glory to God. And then spend some time reading 1 Corinthians 13. If we're, if we're to love one another earnestly, we need to understand what that means. And if you look at 1 Corinthians 13, it, it leaves no room for boasting because all of us could use some help in loving others. And then a question, are you welcoming others? Are you hospitable? Are you looking to serve? Or are you looking to be served? Do you step in every, do you step in certain situations waiting for people to come to you? Like we're gonna get ready to have coffee and donuts. The temptation is gonna be, I hope someone comes talk to me. Maybe you're even new. And I know it's gonna be really hard for you. But I encourage you, take the time. Go find somebody else. Introduce yourself. Take that step, be hospitable, welcome them. And look, if if it's odd and awkward, it's awkward, all right? It happens. How many of you met your spouse for the first time and it was awkward, but here you are, married. <laughs> not, saying, not saying that you could find your spouse here this morning. I'm just giving that as an example, all right? Um, but be welcoming. Be hospitable to others. And then lastly, just live with this in mind. The end of all things is at hand. Jesus could literally return. Do you believe that? If so, is that leading you to live your life differently. Do it. Live it as though Jesus could return tomorrow. I guarantee when that becomes the forefront of our minds, we're going to be sober-minded and we're going to stop fighting over things that don't matter. Okay? Because church, remember, you are the light of the world. The city on a hill cannot be hidden. So let your light shine so that others may see your good works so that you can give glory to the one who is worthy of all glory, your Father in heaven. Please stick around for coffee and donuts, even if you don't eat donuts or drink coffee. You're weird if you don't, but no, I'm just kidding. You're probably better than I am. Also, just as a reminder, uh, this did anybody know what today is? Sanctity of Life Sunday. Um, something that, as Christians, should sober us as well. We believe in life, amen? Amen. Um, we believe in the fight for life. This is why we support missions like RETA. It's why we pray for them the second Tuesday of every month. So we want to remember that today and I want to pray for us that, that we fight for life. Listen, we do so in a way that is gentle and with respect but we do so firmly because the taking of an innocent life is not, we should not be okay with that. Every person is made in the image of God and so be reminded, be reminded by that and let me pray and then we'll, we'll eat here shortly. Father, thank you for the reminder this morning of the, the sanctity of life Sunday, Lord. Something that shouldn't be once a year, but Lord, every day we should value life. Lord, this looks different ways for us. Number one, fighting for the unborn and fighting against abortion laws that uh, really are, I can't imagine what they are in your, your sight God, let us be sensitive though. Perhaps there are even some in this room who have aborted a life and they're feeling the guilt of that. Lord, thank you for your grace and mercy where if we repent, you're faithful to forgive. But Lord, help us to fight for life in a way that is respectful but yet firm. Lord, that also means caring for the, the orphans, those who have been abandoned by their birth parents. God, perhaps you may be calling someone here to adoption, Lord. Would you stir in their hearts? Lord, stir in our hearts. If that's what you would call us to, that we would take in a child. And Lord, that's hard work. Lord, for those on the outside, it's beautiful. But those who are in the midst of it, it's a a battle. So God, help us to be a church that, that stands for life in multiple, all the facets of it, Lord. We need you. Lord, thank you for the, the donuts we will partake in. May it be sweet fellowship for us to get to know one another. May it be an encouragement. May it may be an opportunity to pray for one another. God, thank you for your grace and mercy. It's in Jesus' name we pray.